Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk, you know, what we always talk about, USC Trojan football, of course. Today, we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, to see his various shows, and you can listen to everything that Coach Harvey Hyde does. If you have any questions or comments for us here on this show, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd like to give us a leave us a voicemail by giving us a call or send us a text, the number to do that, 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail, send us a text. We got some of those to get to today. As always, we do appreciate you listening. If you want to tell a friend, you know, that likes USC football, tell him or her, hey, come try out the Peristyle podcast, get you listen to it. We do appreciate you letting people know. And if you want to go to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to the podcast, Leave a positive review, a five-star rating. All that stuff helps this show. We're going to be going into our 12th football season podcasting about the USA Trojans, which is pretty unbelievable. And Coach Harvey Hyde's been there from the very beginning. He is back. What is up, Coach? How you doing? Well, I tell you what, it's another beautiful Monday. I tell you, the weather this weekend, uh, you couldn't uh, beat it. And uh, we'll have a little rain coming if you're uh, in Southern California. You're already... Aware of that, but we don't know where you are. But no matter where you are, we appreciate you joining us every week. And, uh, of course, uh, USC Trojan football is something that we try to feature year-round. By the way, we should mention that, Ryan, year-around, because football season never really ends. There's always some issue or something to talk about. And right now, currently, it's spring practice. Yeah, there's always something going on. People ask that you know don't really know the business as well. Like, oh, what do you do during the offseason? Like, yeah, there's really not an offseason. <laughs> there's always between recruiting and spring football and uh, fall camp. I mean, there's always something going on. Uh, and, you know, it's USC. There's always something going on at USC. You know that. Um, Coach, before we uh, kind of jump into everything, I just want to let people know uh, I had a really good time over the weekend. It was beautiful weather, like you said. Right here, like maybe uh, eh, probably like a six iron from where my office is, where we record all the podcasts, uh, over in Redondo Beach at the Shade Hotel, uh, they had a casino night for Jake Olson, who's grad- if you, you know, you know, graduating in May. Uh, he's USC's right. walk-on long snapper uh, that you know lost his eyesight to cancer at age 12, and uh, they had a great fundraiser uh, that, and we had a, a lot of my friends came because it's you know close by, and had all you know good to see Jake in a suit. Uh, playing some blackjack, playing some craps, and uh, had a lot of fun, won some prizes, and it, it was great. So really cool to see uh, a, you know future uh, USC football alumni like Jake Olson out there in the real world uh, doing great things. So I'm expecting a lot from uh, young Jake as the years go on. I agree. He's an outstanding young man. In fact, I had him on with uh, Ron Orr on the show that you've been on many times, USC Trojan Talk, because Swim with Mike is coming up. And uh, we've sort of featured Jake, who's a, a scholarship winner or awardee of the Swim with Mike uh, scholarship. And he was explaining what it meant to him in his life and how it changed his life and his experiences. And uh, 
Yeah, he's a great guy, and I'm glad you went there, Ryan. I used to do a show from the shade. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh, that's the right shade in Manhattan Beach. This one's in uh, in uh, Redondo, so there's a second one. Oh, you went yeah. to Redondo. Okay. Yeah. Well, you knew which but same, one it was. Same company, yeah. <laughs> same company, same place, same beautiful city, and I'm glad you had a chance to be there with Jake. He's the best. Was uh, Quebec there? Uh, no, Quebec was not there, uh, but his, you oh, know, his girlfriend no. was, his parents. So I, I, I played golf with his dad, with Brian. Uh, but I hadn't met Cindy. I hadn't met his mom, so that was cool. We got to, uh, uh, you know, talk with them for a while. They were they're awesome, great. The whole family, great people. His sister Emma, I for, forgot to mention that. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that's uh, great. You know, really cool family and uh, great stuff. And you mentioned swim with Mike. I wanted to reach out because I had talked to Ron Orr at the uh, Trojan Club of the Desert um, event too, and he wanted me to let people know about swim with Mike. So. Uh, you can go to swimwithmike.org. Uh, Ron started this, wait, what was it, in the 80s or something? I think it was like a long time ago. But This the, is going to be the 39th year. 39th year. Insane. Um, crazy how long they've been doing this. But, he, uh, yeah, so it's Saturday, April 6th uh, at 8 a.m., uh, you know, outside the Lions Center. That's when registration opens and stuff. So they have a whole bunch of different events. Uh, there's stuff going on, Howard Jones Field. Um, so there's definitely go check it out. Um, it's a, it's an awesome event. Uh, they raise a ton of money and guys like Jake Olson are at, you know, end up being the beneficiary. So, uh, go to check out swimwithmike.org uh, and they got all the, the information there. I think it's great. And let's spend a moment on it because all of our listeners out there, some are very, you know, aware of this, but, uh, uh, the football team comes in after practice and they have a relay uh, race where they, push the song girls and you don't have to swim. Now everybody thinks you have to swim. You don't have to swim. You can go and have fun. The Trojan band's playing. You can go to practice right there. Practice will be at 11 rather than 10 because of swimming, Mike. And, uh, there's all kinds of other teams that are playing. It's, it's just a great event. I asked Jake, cause Jake's going to go off the 10 meter board. Okay. He's never done that before. And I said, is Quebec going to go off? And he said, I don't think so. I think I'll see again before he goes off the 10-meter board. <laughs> That's great. But uh, And a lot of people don't know who Quebec is. That's his uh, buddy, his, his seeing eye dog. Yeah. He goes with him everywhere. So I mentioned this since we're talking about uh, Jake Olson. Uh, I said, Ron, I think Jake should get a BA degree from USC. And he says, what do you mean? I said, he's been to more classes than most people. I said, I think he should get a degree. And I said, you'll make the front page with that. He says, hey, Harv, we don't need any more front page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair, fair from Ron. They know they know there's been some some weird stuff uh, sort of going on. So, But, yeah, Quebec goes to all the classes and, and takes Jake around. And um, he was great. He would, you know, when I got to golf with them a couple weekends ago, uh, he was there the whole time. And um, it's funny, you could pet him. And he was nice, but he's always paying attention to where Jake is and what Jake's doing. So it's it's not like he would. Sometimes you you have a dog, and you know the owner's there, but the dog just gives you their hundred percent attention because you're petting him or whatever. Like that's not the way with Quebec is like making sure he's taking care of Jake the whole time, which was pretty cool. I agree, hundred percent. We have a dog like that, but he doesn't take care of me all the time. He's taking care of my wife all the time. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it, it we were talking about that before we came on the show. How important it is to have someone really. Uh, that looks forward to seeing you come home or whatever. And to me, that's always been a cat or dog. So not that my wife doesn't care. My kids don't care, <laughs> but 
there's there's really nothing like a, a, a pet, you know? Right. hundred um, percent. All right. Well, let's uh, let's roll into kind of what you know, I guess we start off, coach, with three weeks are down. Uh, USC spring football Saturday was sort of a scrimmage. Not really. Um, you know, this weekend coming up on the day with Swim with Mike is actually the uh, the spring showcase. So they actually will be doing uh, more of a scrimmage. But, um, you know. Well, I wanted to get your thoughts three weeks down coach, uh, what you saw, you know, what you've been and what you think of what they've been doing out there at USC spring football. Well, uh, I think that they're, they're moving along. I don't know if they're moving along at a pace that, uh, I think they should be. What I mean by that is, uh, the physical portion of it, like Saturday, uh, a lot of thud, but really not a lot of hitting as far as scrimmaging is concerned, as far as, driving the ball up and down the field and having down distance situations where you have to adjust to that as far as substitution and goal line and all the different things, red zone after a big play, what are you going to go to all these different type of things. And I think now after six days, you've got to do that. You can't uh, waste uh, football. You can't have 20 minutes of, of kicking game in an hour and a half practice. I just don't think that is, is I think that's too much kicking game at this time of the year. And I've always said that. And uh, I think that kicking game is important. Two phases of the kicking game that are the most important is PAT field goals and punting the football. But those are all things that really have a lot to do with the game as far as the kickoff return, how many kickoff returns do you have now with the fair catch, the ball going in the end zones. And I've always said that if you had too many of them, you're getting beat anyway. So uh, don't worry about it. So I, I just think these are things that uh, can be put off and done a little bit later. Uh, uh, the rotation of quarterbacks now, uh, Solis had a great Saturday. He went with the number ones. He's a great player. A lot of schools really wanted him. He had a great junior year out of uh, Arizona. And uh, last year wasn't as good, but this team wasn't as good. But he's really uh, having a good spring. I would really consider now having a depth chart. I think it's very important now you start rotations, your final six days of who's going to be playing together. Uh, I don't know if you want to name a starting quarterback yet, but I think you ought to have one or two or one or. And I think that Solis should be a red shirt. He's going to be a great player. But let's be honest, you can't have all your quarterbacks playing one or two plays a game. And if, if he gets in the game, he's got four games to red shirt anyway. If uh, they lose all their other quarterbacks, so I think you've got to start getting realistic as far as where we are or where they are and what they need to accomplish, because they only have six more days. And every time I've seen the showcase, now this is me, okay, and maybe you'll disagree with me, it's a non-hitting day also. It's basically all thud. It's a short practice. It's more or less a, I don't want to call it a marketing tool, but it's not not what I would call a spring practice, a scrimmage. And I think you only have so many days to get ready for the fall, and I think it's it's sort of wasted. They have another week after that with another Saturday scrimmage, which I hope they do a real game-like situation, but you have a lot of new coaches. And you'd want to have it at a spot like El Camino or somewhere where you have a stadium where you can practice your communication from the press box to the uh, field, and see if you get the substitutions in, in and out, move up and down the field, get it on film. People can go out there and have a good seat, relax, and see what's going on. So this is what I'm looking forward to. And, I mean, I, I hope, you know, everybody does it their own way. But you've got a lot of tough early season games 
So you better get ready now for the early season. You just can't do it all in the fall. No, I agree, Coach. And that's, you know, seeing like stuff, special team stuff, a little too heavy. That's one of the things that concerns me a little bit. But I, the physical part of it, and I, you know, it's a team that certainly is banged up a little bit. But I think this is a great time to get out there and see. We've seen it a couple times. We've seen them go out and be uh, very physical. I'm curious to see what the spring showcase is, if there's going to be more periods where you can tackle the ground, more physical play. Um, but like, it sounds like overall you'd like to see a little bit more of that uh, from this spring. I agree. And I, if they're going to have it again on the, uh, in the track stadium, and I think they are. Yes. Well, you're very limited. Ryan, your end zones are smaller. There's concrete on the side. You can run out on the track, slip and fall and hurt yourself. That's why I've always suggested having it somewhere where you can have a tailgating going on. It's going to be a very busy day. There's a lot of other activities on campus, which makes it difficult to park. I mean, let's make it an event uh, where people can practice their tailgating, practice a game, make something a positive come from a not that a showcase. I just don't like the name showcase. Okay, no, I, I hate it. I don't. I, it used I like to be. It used to be called the Trojan Huddle. It was the spring game. They used to have like in and out trucks that would come, and it was. I I thought it was a great event, and it's really been since the sanctions, coach. And I think I talked about this with like uh, Keely Yor and Dan Weber uh, on the other podcast, and they were asking me. You know, someone asked the question about that, or, or I might have, no, actually it might have been when I was on with Rainer Troy, but we talked about this, and I really don't like that they're calling it a showcase now because they're, they're trying to get it away from a spring game, and I don't know why. Like, during the sanctions, was one thing, but you have numbers up now, and there's still, you know, there's a bunch of walk-ons on the team. There's guys hurt for sure, but I think you could still do some sort of real spring game and almost for the last decade, coach, they've just shied away from that. And I, that, and it just rubs me the wrong way. And I hate the name too. They call they call it spring showcase. So you're not expecting a game, but I want to expect a game. I think they should have a game and uh, you know, maybe next year when the Coliseum's back, they're going to get back to it. But uh, it's really, especially the last couple of years last. Yeah. It's just not been very good. No. And I agree with you. It's more or less a circus really. You know, you have kids games going on that at least they have, you know, uh, uh, doing different things, punt, pass, and kick contests, and all this type of stuff to use up time. I think it's a wasted day as far as getting better as a football team. And I think you only have 15 days, and the NCAA has limited everything so much now anyway, that, yeah, you have a chance of someone being injured, and you don't want to get anybody injured. But in the spring, everybody gets hurt when I used to coach. If you didn't have a bruise or a bump or something or a little bit of a limp, then we weren't accomplishing anything because it's a physical football game. But, uh, you know, the couple of players they've lost in the spring, it wasn't during a scrimmage. It was during, you know, some drill where somebody fell down or twisted their shoulder, or dove for a pass that they shouldn't have, and so on. You're going to have injuries. It's a physical game. But you've got to be physical and you've got to get after it. And, uh, of course, you don't want any injuries, but again, you got to become tougher and uh, and uh, be ready because, like I said, Ryan, those first opening games, these guys are going to be ready to play, and you've got to be ready to play. When you open against Fresno State, Stanford, BYU on the road, that's a big game for BYU. Then, you know, you got Washington, you got Utah on a Friday night, you go to Notre Dame after a bye. Hey, that's a pretty tough opening. You better be ready. No, it's the the early part of the schedule 
is very difficult. And I think you're going to see some well-coached football teams that are going to have their ducks in a row. Now, USC probably has more talent than all of them, but you're going to see well-coached football teams. And if you're not prepared and you're not ready, uh, that's there's going to be uh, an issue there. And I, I feel like that that could be an advantage for any number of USC's early opponents who, that are going to come in uh, and and be extremely ready to play physical football early on. So we'll you know we'll see. Um, I do feel the spring is better uh, than what we saw before. And this actually we got a really interesting voicemail question, Coach. So it's pretty simple. Let me play it for you, and then we'll get your thoughts. Yeah, this is Andrew in San Diego. Is USC football, in your opinion, better or worse? today than they were a year ago. Thank you. Well, Andrew, uh, I think they're better uh, in a couple of phases. Okay, first of all, I think they have a better coaching staff, and I think that's very important. Everybody tries to get great players. It's getting the players and then and getting them to play and getting them in the right position. I think the defensive line is being better coached, and I think those players are, are performing better, and they look as though they're in better shape and and be able to go harder every down as they should be. I think that uh, also the running back coach, I like him. He's got a lot of experience. He's coached running backs before. I think it's important that you've had experience coaching a position and uh, you gain more respect and you learn from coaching as you do from playing a position. And uh, both the offensive uh, backfield coach and the defensive line coach has done that. They both have experience, and I think that's very important. Last year, the not that uh, they weren't good coaches, but they didn't have the experience at the position they were coaching. Uh, Ukizi uh, was a great player, but never coached before. Drevno uh, is a, a offensive line coach, not a running back coach. So I think that uh, players look at you differently, and and uh, I think that's very good. I think the secondary is being coached better as far as the corners, and I think that's really good too. So you have improvement there. I know you're thin, but so what? The players that are there are getting a lot of reps, and they're getting better. And the others better be looking uh, out for their jobs, even if they are sitting out this spring, because these guys are getting better. So I'm not going to go through every coach, but I think they're better coached. Uh, Their offense is uh, a lot simpler. Uh, Not that it's uh, complete yet. But before, they really didn't have an identity to their offense. I was still trying. After four or five years, I never knew what they were running offensively as far as series or whatever. So it's better to keep it simple. If I have great players, to keep it simple is probably better because I want them using their athletic ability uh, against the other. If my X is better, bigger than your O, and we're simple and we know what we're doing, uh, we should be better. Now, as far as developing that offense into a an offense that has both the running game, passing game, and utilizes uh, two-back offense when they need it and decide what type of quarterback play they want, run, pass, or combination, where well, they have to do all of that. And they've got to learn to do it the hard way, and same with the defense. The defense, too, has to be able to uh, be solid and, and not break down and have pass interferences and missed tackles and uh, flex your muscles. A couple of things that really bother me is when guys flex their muscles uh, after a touchdown cast or flex their muscle after they make a sack. Okay, that's why you're playing the game. It's no big deal. What are you trying to be? If you want to be a weightlifter or whatever you're going to be, don't go flex your muscles. Be a football player. 
So a, little, a lot of those little things, I think, have got to be corrected as far as celebrating every play and taking time away from it of what you're trying to be as far as you go. I don't like you know that type of prancing around. I'd rather look at the scoreboard and see what it says. Uh, Andrew, thanks for the question and the voicemail. Pretty simple, but I do, and I agree with Coach. I feel this is a better team than what we saw last year. Last spring, specifically, without having JT Daniels there, it was really tough with Jack Sears and Matt Fink. The offense just didn't do well. It seemed like as spring wore on, things just got worse, and it just was not, it didn't look like a football team that was uh, ready to take on anybody at that point, to be perfectly honest. So I think they looked their best uh, during mock game week, uh, early in fall camp, or later in fall camp, and then uh, things are obviously started going downhill. But I do feel like it's better for a lot of the reasons, you know, all the reasons that Coach was talking about, and just having uh, an offense that's defined, really, that you have an identity. Uh, I like that it's simpler. I don't think it has to be, but in this case, and some USC fans are like, simpler doesn't mean, well, and like, it's fine. You know, it's a system though. And it's a system that they're going to run really well. And I think if you have a really complicated system, if you can, you know, teach the players how to do it and they can run it really well and it's well-defined and you, you know, you're, you're starting from a place of, Hey, here's where we're going to go. And as we adjust to the game conditions, things like that. You can make those kind of things work. USC's offense wasn't working like that. It just seemed like when they call it gumbo or a little bit of this, a little bit of that, it was just a lot of everywhere. No one was on the same page and you were just relying on athletes to make plays. And I don't think they're doing that now. You still have the athletes, which is good, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I do feel like you're going to put these athletes in a much better position. And if a play works well, you get an athlete in space with the ball and then he can do something on his own. It's not the only way the play is going to work. If the athlete makes some crazy, you could put some walk-ons out there. They're going to find some holes in these zones. They're going to spread the ball. Uh, you know, the, the lines are going to be, the splits are going to be wider. You're going to see receivers and, and running backs, and everything all over the field, stretching things and making the defense cover the entire field. Some guys will get open and, they don't have to be the most athletic guy or the fastest guy in the world to get open in this offense. So that's the thought behind it. Just looking, you know, from seeing the first few weeks, I do think Andrew, that this team is better uh, than they were a year ago. And, and I agree. And I, I didn't mention the offensive line. I think the offensive line will be better. I really do. I think that uh, they have a good offensive line coach is coach and has experience. I think they understand uh, more about the game and uh, understand, uh, uh, how important it is to play together. And they have officials out there now that are calling penalties, and I think that's something that's important. And uh, I think all those little things are what uh, needed to be cleaned up, delay of game penalties, fumbles, uh, stupid things that happened during the game where they really beat themselves. And I think that's what you got to clean up all of that. And by cleaning up a lot of that type of stuff, along comes the other discipline as far as the part of the playing of the football game and having the right players on the field and not having to call a timeout after a timeout or getting a delay a game after a timeout or not having the right players on the field, 10 players during some, some things. I mean, I mean, that stuff's embarrassing. Not, not just as far as poor football, that that's embarrassing to have that type of thing happen when you have the number of coaches you have and what should be on the field and not on the field. So, you know, this is part of the things we talked about as far as straightening around in the spring and some of it they have. 
That's why we think it's important to have a game type of situation so you start to see what's working and what's not working as far as with the new staff and the players. So I'd like to see that happen at least the next two Saturdays. Will it happen? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, we got a text question, Coach. Uh, didn't leave a name, but he said, or he or she said, what are your predictions of who will get the bulk of the running back carries this season when all is said and done? And if he's healthy, how could it possibly not be Stephen Carr? And he also wanted to get some updates on uh, running back recruits, which I'll, I'll do that afterwards. But get your thoughts on who's going to get the more, the more carries and if it should be Stephen Carr. Well, you know, my, my feeling is you got to earn uh, the right to play, okay? You can't sit and watch uh, and earn a starting spot. I don't, just don't think that's right. Uh, I don't think it's right for the team or your teammates. Uh, otherwise, you know, uh, by getting hurt, you have a day off, and you're not really in a hurry to get back. So uh, myself, I'd say Steps right now is the kid that's had the best spring. If I had a depth start right now, it'd be Steps, Malapiai, Carr and this walk-on kid is not a bad player. I'm telling you, he, he's, I forget his name. I think he's, what, 36 or whatever. That kid uh, is, is a good little player. So, you know, I think you've got to put uh, depth charts up of what are deserving and what someone's earned, not give it to them. Now, I'm not saying Carr is a great player, but he had one great year, and he's been hurt ever since. So it's time that he steps up, and it's time that he makes the plays that he's capable of making so people feel he deserves to be the starter. The team feels he deserves to be the starter. Otherwise, what's my effort doing coming out here and busting my you-know-what, and then, hell, I don't even play. So uh, I think that he has to earn his position back. What he did two years ago isn't going to start for me uh, this year, but he has the ability to start for me this year. But right now, the best guy in the, in the spring has been Steps. And now I think that's who I'd start as far as if there was a game tomorrow. Marky Step, yeah. Uh, he's he's definitely looked impressive. I think it was last this previous weekend, I guess a week and a half ago now, is when he had that kind of breakout in the scrimmage and stuff. So he's looked really good. As far as uh, recruiting running backs going, there's no one for the class of 2020 uh, that is uh, committed right now. Um, you still have uh, Keenan Kristen, who's coming in, you know, from San Diego. He's a speedster, so you'll see him in the fall. So he's still coming in. But as far as class of 2020, no commitments. But there's like, like I think 11 or 12 scholarship offers out. Uh, the biggest, you know, couple of names like Kendall Milton, um, you know, who's a Fresno guy, Clovis, uh, California, probably the biggest name out there. He's like six feet tall, two ten or so. I think he's the number two running back. Uh, recruit in the, in the country. So he's one of those guys that I think, um, you know, USC is high on. We'll see if, if he's able to stay somewhere here and, uh, in, in Southern California, but there, you know, there's a few other guys on the list. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that have offers, uh, you know, California guys, a couple guys from Texas, actually three or four Texas running backs. So we'll see, you know, with the Texas ties uh, that USC has on the coaching staff now, like Mike Jenks, uh, you know, changing things a little bit. You're seeing a few more offers out to other places, uh, not just uh, California, but there's some good local talent. Uh, there's some good talent in Texas and, and, and across the country that USC will be recruiting. Hasn't really been narrowed down uh, as much yet. Uh, so we'll kind of see where USC does, you know, goes from here, but no running backs are committed uh, as of right now. So 
Uh, let's see. We'll move on. We had a another voicemail. This one's about uh, the USC offensive scheme and protecting the quarterbacks. Let me play it for you now. Hey, guys. Montgomery from San Dimas. Love the program. Hey, I have a question for Harvey Hyde. Um, I've had the opportunity to watch the North Texas uh, Rice game on YouTube and have been at the last two Saturday practices. And uh, my question is, if you're going to put four receivers wide and then release the running back into a checkoff route, how are you going to protect the quarterback? Watching the North Texas game, the quarterback was sacked multiple times and took a lot of hits. So I'm just wondering how we're going to be able to um, protect our quarterback. It's a good thing we have four of them. This is Montgomery from San Dimas. Thanks. Fight on. Well, Montgomery, you're right on. Uh, uh, in this offense, uh, unless you have a quick release uh, and read it properly, you're going to get hit a lot. And uh, uh, releasing these guys, if the ball is tipped or the guy's in your face and he can hit you, he's going to hit you. And uh, it, uh, it it's a problem. I can't remember uh, how many sacks they had, but they did have a lot of sacks. And other schools that do run this offense, they do have a lot of sacks. Uh, that's why last Saturday they ran a little bit of uh, two-back set, which I love. I just love that with this offense. And when you have great running backs, you can still get backs out. These guys are backs, which can also have protection in there at the same time and do a lot of play-action pass with two backs. I, I don't know. I just haven't seen that in the offense yet as much as I would hope to be in the tight ends uh, involved. But, yeah, that's a real problem. <clears throat> and I see them working on pass blocking, and that's not really realistic either because a defensive end or linebacker running at the offensive back, I mean, he's he's got the advantage. He knows it's a pass, and has a, a run at him, and, and it's not included in a read at the same time. It should be a read at the same time with the quarterback and the block so that if he does continue to go, he learns how to uh, fade away and take a hit and toss the ball out to the back. So I'd like to see more of a combination of realistic looks than just uh, running a, a defensive end or a linebacker at a running back when the guy has the whole space as far as going right or left or spinning or whatever. But, uh, yeah, they got to learn to block. And there's certain techniques that you teach uh, that uh, that I used to like to teach where you explain to the running back that you don't go after him. If he doesn't come to you, <clears throat> it's fine because uh, you've already done your job if he's not coming. Then you do your next thing depending what your players are read. And if he is coming – and you're not supposed to block him or, or just chip off, then you better look right away. But you know darn well your quarterback's going to be rushed, so you better be ready for the pass. And again, on the quarterback situation, he has to learn to throw around uh, backs or linebackers that will jump up like Jackson and these in your face where you can't even see where you're throwing the ball, and a lot of times get those picked off. So that's all part of uh, a drill where the quarterback has to look around or throw through the seam or through the arms, and you can't let that ball get tipped. If you watch the last couple of scrimmages, balls are getting tipped and intercepted. Not a lot, but it's just part of working on that on a drill. And I agree with you 100%. You don't have 
a lot of protection in this offense. It's a quick-release offense, hot reads, short passes. When you see they're coming, you're going to look at the receiver. The receiver reads the, uh, whoever's coming and runs a slant or a quick out or a fade or whatever they got to do uh, to, to make up the difference of uh, not having the time to throw a long, re, re, you know, read uh, uh, reading routes, seven-step drops where you read everything, but you don't have that time. So you don't keep the tight end in, but you don't have a tight end. The back goes to the other side, and you block, uh, you know, solid. It's very difficult to do. So, yeah, you're going to get hit. I agree with you. You're going to get hit. Yeah, that, I think part of the offense is to get the ball out faster. It's just a scheme thing where you're not taking a seven-step drop and, you know, looking around. Uh, and I, I feel like if you look at like Mike Leach's offense coach, he kind of likes different sort of linemen um, or just, you know, people that can get in your way. They might be just a big, a big guy that he's going to be in the way. So uh, a, a free rusher can't come and just get right to the quarterback because he's expecting the quarterback to get rid of the ball quicker. So um, I'm curious to see what USC is going to do, you know, what it looks like. Uh, do you have some better offensive linemen that you typically see? in this type of offense that can hold their blocks a little bit longer. Uh, what is it going to be? But yeah, the, typically though, it seems like in this kind of offense, they know you're going to probably get some pressure on the quarterback. So get the ball out fast. You do. And sometimes you'll see in this offense, your bigger guys at guard, but you don't need your, your guys to pull or do different, different things, but you're not running that type of offense. So sometimes you put your big physical guys at guard so that you block the down guards uh, or the tackles of the defense. You're more man-on-man, and you put your quicker type of offensive linemen that can block the quicker guys outside so that you can get in position to block the defensive ends or linebackers who or whoever your responsibility is. So there's different ways of doing that. I know I've done that sometimes with just teams, different teams we play. If I felt my guard was going to be dominated, I put a tackle of guard because uh, I need to, I can't get someone in my backfield all the time. I can't allow one of my players to be not as physical as the other player. I've got to have physical players too. All right. We have one last question for you, coach. It's a voicemail, a little bit of a different topic, I guess, than we normally talk about, but this is interesting. So I'll play it for you. Hey guys, Gustavo from La Mirada. Just curious, I know with so many injuries, how the walk-ons have been doing filling in for reps, because I know one still need reps, even though the depth might not be there. And have you seen any of them stand out that might have a Matt Lopes type of role this coming season? Thanks for the podcast. Love what you guys do. Bye. Well, um, I'm trying to think, Ryan. He caught me off guard with Yeah, right, I mean, it's, walk-ons are, it's hard. So I think you, so you were talking about the running back. So you still have uh, Ben Easington. So I think he's been getting, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then Chris Edmonds, the, Ed, Edmondson, and then there's the uh, Quincy uh, uh, Juani. Um, so there's a few walk-on uh, running backs there that, you, you know, you're going to see uh, getting some action. Um, trying to think of who else would be sort of standing out. You're seeing a bunch of the wide receiver guys. Um, I think there's uh, Matthew Holcomb is out there. Um, Jake, I think Jake Webster is one of the guys. Uh, it's, there's... There's a few, and I think it like in the the secondary, you're probably seeing uh, a few more of those. Where the areas where the the team isn't you know quite uh, as deep. So I think uh, what's it? Um, where's 
Oh, Richard uh, Hagestad, he was out there. Dorian Hewitt, uh, a couple of guys that are walk-ons. Uh, Jordan McMillan. Um, so, there, I mean, there's a few guys out there. No one, like, really, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if anyone's, like, completely stood out to you. Uh, but there's there's opportunities at certain positions. And I think you, you've seen running back be um, thin, you know, wide receiver for sure, and, and defensive back for sure. So that's that's probably where we're seeing the most of those guys, like, coming in and making contributions. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wish I could, uh, rather than try to answer that question and miss somebody, like I know Matt Bell, Bale, he's been out there voting that linebacker, but there's so many linebackers out there, really. Um, so I'd rather not answer that and then forget someone because uh, uh, I I just can't remember. I'll be honest with you. It's tough. I mean, there's, you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, what, and, you know, there's some new numbers and things like that. And there's some walk-ons that aren't listed on the, the newest roster. So we have to get like a post spring roster. We'll have some of those on there too. Um, but there's no one's like, you know, that we've, that you're like, Oh wow. Okay. This guy's definitely going to be uh, a player. And that happens sometimes you'll, you'll go through a spring, where maybe you have some injuries at a certain position and you see a player or two, a lot of times it's like at a wide receiver or maybe a defensive back makes a couple of picks or breaks up some some plays and you're like, okay, that guy is going to be a player. And then when the season rolls around, you never see him. Um, I, I wouldn't say anyone like that stood out so far, but there's, you know, there's definitely guys that are making contributions and need to be out there. You, you see some guys getting some first team run just because of injuries, uh, trying to fill out the two deep. Uh, it's very important uh, that, they, that these walk-ons are in there, but I wouldn't say there's going to be a household name among any of them really right now. Let me just tell you this. If uh, sounds as though your son is a walk-on and let me tell you, it's the greatest experience of his life. Okay to be a part of something that he'll never forget. And he gets all of the now things that other walk-ons never got as far as meal and nutrition and all the different things. Now they allow the NCAA to uh, treat a person. I feel a walk-on is something special. And uh, I hope they treat your son like that because without walk-ons, taking their turns and stepping up on the scout team or wherever or being ready if their name is called, you can't coach football and you can't win championships. So I just want to say that, too, on behalf of you. If your son is out there, that uh, they are very well respected as far as the coaching staff and players. Yeah, you know, I don't even think they have a walk-on defensive lineman because there's some some depth there and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of depth at linebacker too but there are a few guys like you mentioned uh matt bale and stuff um so yeah there's it's filling out i think we'll we'll get a better idea maybe you know watching the spring showcase and seeing how they're going to run out a first team or second team i think you're going to see a lot of guys that are you know in those spots where people are either wearing yellow jerseys or just not able to participate uh, you're going to have these walk-ons step in and really make bigger contributions than uh, you, know, you would have expected. Uh, and it's important because, you know, they have to give the the, the guys that, you know, maybe they're never going to play in a game or maybe they're going to play a little bit or play on special teams, but they have to go out there and give everybody a good look. It's sort of like, you know, running the scout team. You want to make sure that the, your best players, you know, Tyler Vaughn's is out there. Someone really tough is trying to cover them, you know, and, uh, on the defensive back in the defensive backfield, and if it has to be a walk-on, then you just want them to go out and perform really well. 
I agree, because remember, they're the ones that get you ready to play football games. I mean, as far as being the other team, uh, most of the time, as far as scout teams are concerned, being there, doing their turn, taking their turn, being everything that's required of a regular football player that's on full scholarship. And uh, I always treated them with a lot of respect. And uh, I think that's the way I hope to being treated at USC. All right. Well, Coach, look, look, we've got to wrap it up here. Um, looking forward to another week of USC Spring Football. And like I said, this weekend, it will be the Spring Showcase and also Swim with Mike. So a lot of people will be down on the USC campus this weekend. So hopefully you can make it out there. Remember, practices are open. Uh, you can come and check it out. And this Saturday, the practice will be a little different because it's the showcase and it will be on Cromwell Field. So it will not be, you know, it'll be at the track stadium, not uh, on Howard Jones Field where they typically have their practices. All right, Coach. Uh, great stuff. Thanks again for uh, coming on. Well, thank you very much. And again, we thank all of our people that are out there listening because without your questions, we don't have a show. We enjoy doing it with you. And uh, get there early, be it swim at Mike, because uh, parking is going to be difficult this week. There's a lot of things happening on campus. And uh, I guess I should say just make it a day. I think that's the best yeah. way of saying it. Make a day of it. You know, get down there, check it out. You go walk across the street, check out the USC Village. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff uh, you're walking around there. Of course, you always want to go to Heritage Hall. And if you haven't been to campus for a while, check out the Heismans and stuff. So lots of cool stuff you can do. All right. Well, that is the coach. I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. We should be back with another show or two this week, working on a special guest, uh, another maybe former USC football player, but we'll have Dan Weber and Keely Ewer on as usual as well. So thanks so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.